Wouldn't it be crazy to find out that you are not an Israelite by blood? How do we determine someone's pedigree or someone's lineage, their bloodline? Not by charts, not by documentaries, not by books, although all of those are helpful and sometimes needed. Scripture always has the last say. Let's get into it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, family, Mishpaka, Shalom. This is another episode of Jacob C. Podcast. I thank you as always uh, for joining in, for tuning in on whatever podcast platform you are listening this on. Please do me a favor uh, and subscribe to Jacob C. Podcast so that you can get alerted whenever there is a new episode um, that drops. Also, Um, Could you do me a favor and share this episode in your favorite episodes with your friends, families, loved ones, and on whatever social uh, media platform that you frequent. Also, you can find Jacob C. Podcast on social media at Jacob C. 12 on Instagram at Jacob C. 12 on Instagram. You can also follow my personal um, social media pages. It would be Yermayahu15 on Instagram and on Twitter. That is Yermayahu15. 15 on Instagram and on Twitter. All right, y'all. We have a lot to get into. Maybe not a lot. I don't want it to be a super long podcast today. Um, we're discussing our lineage, right? How do you determine if someone is an Israelite? Do we determine this by a chart? Do we determine this by a documentary we saw? Do we determine this by a book we read? Or do we determine this by scripture and scripture alone? I'm always going to lean toward Torah in all that I do. I'm always going to lean toward the the Torah, the prophets, and the words of Yahusha in whatever I do. So the scriptures will always have the last word. Now, don't listen to this and hear me say that I'm against the 12 tribes chart. I'm against. a certain book or a certain documentary, I am not. Those things can be helpful in trying to identify who our people are and where they are, but they are not the end all to be all when we're trying to locate our people, all right? The scriptures are. The scriptures, if we read them in its proper context, will tell us how to identify an Israelite. So this is how our ancestors identified their blood, their seed. Also, it would help us see um, what they would be doing and where they would be going. So we're going to look at all that. So I want to first look at something that's important and that will give us a basis of what we're trying to do. I want to look at the law of return. And if some of you do not know, the law of return was a law that was instituted in the state of Israel. We know now today the state of Israel, this is where the Ashkenazi, the um, Sephardic Jew reigns at the moment. Um, And we know those are Gentiles. We know that's Japheth. Um, And the Bible said that Japheth would um, uh, uh, reign or dwell in the tents of Shem. We're Shem. If you're a seed of Jacob, you are Shem. If you're Israelite, you are Shem. Um, if you're Ashkenazi, Shephardic, or whatever other kind of Jewish person, uh, for the most part, you are Japheth or you are an Edomite. You're some kind of Gentile. You're not the true lineage or the true seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we're about to prove that. So in this law of return, they mapped out how Jewish people identify their pedigree um, and their lineage. So we're going to read it. And this is nothing that was on a blog post or anything else. I literally um, went to their website 
jewishagency.org. Um, this is the first steps program. This is how, if you're a Jewish person, uh, this is how you're told to enter back into the state of Israel. Or I, didn't, I shouldn't use the word back, how to enter into the state of Israel. And they call it the law of return. Uh, this law of return was established in 1950. In 1950, um, the law of return simply stated, with the inception of the state of Israel, 2,000 years of wandering are officially over. So they believe that the ingathering of the true people of, the, of Elohim has been over. We know that's a lie. Since then, Jews have been entitled to simply show up and request to be Israeli citizens, assuming they pose no imminent danger to public health, state security, or Jewish people as a whole. Essentially, all Jews everywhere are Israeli citizens by right. So check this out. This is the original law of return. I'm going to read it. It's a, it's a bit lengthy, but it's important to establish a basis on, number one, proving that they did not determine pedigree and lineage as our forefathers, the real Israelites, determined uh, pedigree and lineage. Again, when looking at Jewish people, we know that they do not honor Torah. They pick and choose some things out of Torah, but mainly their go-to is the Talmud. When the Talmud and the Torah disagree, they are going to uphold the Talmud. So let's remember that. So let's read about this, um, this law of return. All right. In 1950, the law of return stated, uh, every Jew has the right to come to this country as a Ole. Ole is just a, uh, a Jewish immigrant or a Jewish person coming into the land. Aliyah, and we know that word from the scriptures because there are three Aliyahs in scriptures, right? So uh, Passover, Feast of Weeks, Feast of Tabernacles, uh, we, we're supposed to go back home. So these people, they're claiming they're going back to their rightful land. Aliyah shall be Ole's, Ole's visa. And Ole visa shall be granted to every Jew who has expressed his desire to settle in Israel unless the minister of immigration is satisfied that the applicant, one, is engaged in activity directed against the Jewish people, or two, is likely to endanger public health or security of the state. A Jew who has come to Israel and sub subsequent to his arrival has expressed his desire to settle in Israel may, while still in Israel, receive an Olay certificate. The restrictions specified in Section 2B shall apply also to the grant of an Olay certificate, but a person shall not be regarded as an endangering public health on account of an illness contracted after his arrival in Israel. Every Jew, every Jew, again, every Jew who has immigrated into this country before the coming into force of this law, talking about the law of return, and every Jew who has born who was born in this country, whether before or after the coming in force of this law, shall be deemed to be a person who has come to this country as an ole under this law. The minister of immigration is charged with implement, implementation of this law and may make regulations as to any matter relating to such implementation and also as to the grant of ole's visa and ole certificates and to minors up to the age of 18. So in 1950, the law just simply stated, if you are a Jew, if you identify as a Jew, who will, no matter what you look like, no matter where you came from, you get this Ole certificate, which is kind of like the foundation, the, the, the first starts, the starting blocks of you becoming a citizen of Israel. And the majority of the people, um, unless you, like it said, um, unless you were an imminent threat or you pose some, some kind of danger to the people in that region, um, you were admitted as a citizen, right? In 1970, they amended the law, the Second Amendment. So, so the First Amendment of the law was some kind of, um, they did some grammatical uh, work to it. But the Second Amendment of this law was in 1970. And that date is significant, and we're going to get to that in a second. So in 1970, Section 4, Part A, it says the right of a Jew under this law and the rights of an Ole under the nationality law, as well as the right of an Ole under another, 
on any other enactment are also vested in a child and grandchild of a Jew, the spouse of a Jew, the spouse of a child of a Jew, and the spouse of a grandchild of a Jew, except for a person who has been a Jew and has voluntarily changed his religion. So first of all, we see here that these Jewish Jew being Jewish is a religion. This is from their own, this is by their own admission. Being Jewish has nothing to do with being a people, a chosen people, whether of God, Elohim, or anybody else. Anybody can be Jewish. Tyrone down the street could be Jewish if he choose so choose to be. He can convert to Judaism. Judaism and being Jewish is a religion. Being a Hebrew Israelite has nothing to do with religion. Let me repeat that for some people out there. Being a Hebrew Israelite has nothing to do with a religion. Hebrew are descendants of a man by the name of Eber. If you are a descendant of Eber, you are a Hebrew. There are many Hebrews. I like to say it like this. Every Israelite is a Hebrew, but every Hebrew ain't an Israelite because all of Eber's kids are not the kids of Jacob. So you're an Israelite because you are a descendant of Israel, also known as Jacob. Put those two together. You have Hebrew Israelite. All right. Now, we do not have a religion, but we have a covenant with the Elohim that created this world. He gave us laws, statutes, and commandments to follow so that it may be well with us. And on Mount Sinai, when Moses was explaining and breaking down these laws, statutes, and commandments to our ancestors, he said, hey, do you guys agree with this Elohim? And we all in unison, the scripture said, said, yes, we agree with the, this Elohim. We agree to do the law, statutes, and commandments, and we agree to the promises and the punishments that come along with those laws, statutes, and commandments. So we don't have a religion. We have a covenant with the Most High Elohim. Moving on. Skipping down to section A, 4B, 8, 4B in the law of return. It says, for the purposes of this law, Jew, so then now they're about to define the pedigree of a Jew. All right. Jew means a person who was born of a Jewish mother or has become converted to Judaism and who is not a member of another religion. So they say a Jew is someone who is born of a Jewish mother. I think this has been upgraded to a Jewish mother or grandmother or someone who has converted into Judaism. Now here the here's the question. I'm about to bring something out. Is that the way our ancestors determined pedigree? How did they determine who was an Israelite? Was it by the mother, the matriarch, or the father, the patriarch? I'll say this. If you're going by the definition that these Jewish people are going by, then the whole lineage of Yeshua, including the lineage of King David, is crumbled. It's crushed. It's illegitimate. Why is that? Genealogies are important. When a lot of us read the scriptures, we skip over genealogies, but they are gravely important because genealogies are how we determine who's who and how they became who they are. In the genealogy of Yeshua, if you go all the way up, you see David in there. But what's the problem with that? If we're going by the definition of these Jewish people of how we determine pedigree, they say you determine by your mother. Well, King David's great, great grandmother was a woman by the name of Ruth. She has a book in the uh, she has a book in the Old Testament. We learn in that book that she is a Moabite woman. Well, what's wrong with being a Moabite woman? The scriptures say that. Uh, a Moabite woman, I believe that's in uh, Deuteronomy, a Moabite woman, or not even a woman, Moabites, Amorites and Moabites, the descendants of Lot, 
could never enter into the kingdom of the Most High because they hired Balaam to curse us and did not greet us with peace at Baal Peor. They also are an offspring of a forbidden relationship. The Amorites and the Moabites came about because Lot was raped by his daughters after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Look it up, read it. If you've never heard of this, you'd be amazed. So if we're going by the definition of these Jewish people, the lineage of King David, the lineage of Boaz, Jesse, David, Solomon, Rehoboam, on down the line, all the way up to Yeshua, uh, to Yahusha, and all those who, um, his brothers, his sisters, and everybody else is illegitimate. How could the son of Elohim himself not make it into the kingdom? That's crazy, right? It's absolutely crazy, which is why we don't look to other nations to define our pedigree, but we define our pedigree through the Torah. So how does the Torah tell us to define our pedigree? Let's look at it. Let me pull up my notes here. I make show notes for all this stuff so I don't get, uh, I can get sidetracked. So looking at the show notes, how, how did our ancestors determine bloodline? Let's go to the book of Numbers. I'm about to go to the book of Numbers starting at verse 18. We're going to go to the book of Numbers. This is in the Torah. And we're going to start at um, verse 18. Numbers chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 18. It reads, And they assembled all the congregation together on the first day of the second month. So they're, they're just getting out of... Um, Passover, and they're heading into the Feast of Weeks. And they declared their pedigrees after their families by their father's house, according to the number of the names from 20 years old and upward by their poles. Hmm. So they determine it by their father's house. Let's see. Let's see if this uh, is a reoccurring thing. Let's keep reading on. Verse 20 says, and the children of Reuben Israel's firstborn, their generations, by their families, by their fathers' houses. Interesting. And then it says, the children of Simeon, their generations, by their families, by their fathers' houses. The children of Gad, by their generations, by their families, by their fathers' houses. Interesting. And it keeps going on and so forth. Judah's the same way, Zebulon the same way, Ephraim the same way, Manasseh the same way, Benjamin uh, is also the same way, Asher, Naphtali, um, so on and so forth. We never determined lineage or bloodline by the matriarch, the mother. It's crazy. We've determined always our bloodline by that of the father, which is why it doesn't matter that Ruth was a Moabite because the man she married, Boaz, was from the tribe of Judah. Thus, David was a Yahudim. Thus, you go all the way down and Yahusha was a Yahudim. We've never determined bloodline through the blood of the mother. We've always determined bloodline through the blood of the father. So now the question is, is there a continuation of this even in the Brit Hadashah, in the New Testament? Let's look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, because like I said, genealogies are important. It says, the book of the genealogy of Yahushua HaMashiach, says Jesus Christ, but I like using his real name. It says the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham became the father of Isaac. Isaac became the father of Jacob. Jacob became the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah became the father of Perez. 
and Zerah by Tamar. Perez became the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram became the father of Amabinadad. Uh, Amabinadad became the father of uh, Nashon. Nashon became the father of Salmon. Salmon became the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz became the father of Obed by Ruth. Obed became the father of Jesse. Jesse became the father of King David. King David became the father of Solomon by her who had, who was Uriah's wife. Solomon became the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam became the father of Abijah. Abijah became the father of Asa. Asa became the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat became the father of Jeram. Jeram became the father of Uzziah. Uzziah became the father of Jotham. Jotham became the father of Ahaz. Ahaz became the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah became the father of Manasseh. Manasseh became the father of Amnon. Amnon became the father of Josiah. Josiah became the father of uh, Jehoanai. Can pronounce some of these words. We still making, we still giving our children some 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 names that can't nobody pronounce. <laughs> and his brothers. And at the time of the exile to Babylon, after the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah became the father of Shittatel. Shittatel became the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel became the father of Abudid. Abudid became the father of Elikim. Elikim became the father of Azor. Azor became the father of Zodok. Zodok became the father of. Uh, Akim. Akim became the father of Eliud. Eliud became the father of Eleazar. Eleazar became the father of Madden. Madden became the father of Jacob. Jacob became the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, from whom was born Jesus, who was called the Christ. All through that genealogy, the only three women mentioned were Mary, Ruth, Rahab. Okay, uh, David's wife was mentioned, but not by name. We've determined this whole time, this whole genealogy of our Messiah comes down through the father, not the mother. So that's another evidence that the so-called Jewish people over there in Israel are not the people. Because the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob determine their lineage through the fathers and not through the mothers. And if you notice, I said they changed that law. Because before the law was anybody can come over that claimed to be a Jew. 1970, they changed it to your mother has to be a Jew or you have to convert to Judaism. Why is 1970 significant? Because in, in 1969, a man by the name of ben Amin took some of our brothers and sisters from Chicago, Illinois, over to Demona, Israel, and they sought to be a part of this law of return. They were denied. That's when Israel, the state of Israel, amended the law to say that you, your mother, had to be an Israelite. Why would they say the mother? Because they knew the fathers. They know who we are. They knew the fathers would be Israelites. So they had to change the law in order to prevent our people who wanted to come back home from coming back home. And that's another lesson as well, is that we can't rush our return home. The scriptures say we'll be able to return home when we turn our hearts back to Torah, when we acknowledge the sins of our sins and the sins of our forefathers, accept our punishment, and live the life in which we agreed to live through our ancestors on Mount Sinai. Then we will go back home. And if we can't do that as a collective before Yeshua comes back, Yeshua will take care of all that when we come back. And those who are not following the law, statutes, and commandments, they will be cut off, unfortunately. So I've determined that we determine our pedigree and our lineage, our bloodline through the Father. You want to know whether or not you are a Israelite? Do a DNA test. And what will a DNA test tell you? Will it tell you you're an Israelite? Nah. But it will tell you where you came from. And that's important. We're about to get into that next, right after these messages. Shalom, family. I know y'all love listening to podcasts. Why? Because you're listening to Jacob Seed right now. 
And one of the best ways to listen to this podcast and many more is through Stitcher Radio, specifically their premium plan. Why, you ask? Check this out. With Stitcher Premium, you can listen to some of your favorite shows ad-free, like Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murderer, Wolverine The Lost Trial, and of course, Jacob C. Podcast. Plus, get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, comedy albums, and more. Only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year. Go to stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today. Use promo code Jacob. That's promo code Jacob, J-A-C-O-B, for one month free on your monthly plan. Shalom, family. All right, family, so we are back. So we have determined, without a shadow of a doubt, through the scriptures, that our ancestors never determine our pedigree, our lineage, our bloodline through the mother, as the Jewish people do. We determine our pedigree, our bloodline, our lineage through the father. So now that we've determined how to find them, now we need to look at where are they? Where to find them? Right? So it was important to establish the father because, unfortunately, a lot of us are out here telling folks that they are Israelites when in fact they are not. We are out here telling Native Americans that they're Israelites. Some of them are, some of them are not. We have to realize that their seed has been raped multiple times by the Europeans. And according to Numbers chapter 1, we do not believe in mixed races. You are who your father is. We're telling Hispanics that they are Israelites. Some of them are, some of them are not. Again, their lineage has been raped by the Europeans. Okay? So some of these Native Americans, that if you go through the males, their seed traces back to John Smith and them, in Great Britain, in Europe, the Netherlands. Some of their seed traces back to Israel. The problem is, who? So that's why you can't be going around telling everybody that they're an Israelite without doing the research. Quit being lazy, family, and let's start doing the research that it takes to determine who is who. We're telling Hispanics they're Israelites. Some of these Hispanics, most of them, have been raped by the Spanish. Their fathers trace back to being Spanish, not Israel. Some of them do trace back to being Israel, but you got to figure out who. How do you do this? You can do a simple DNA test. That's how I figured it out. I knew I was, uh, I knew I had a possibility of being an Israelite. But we have to understand that every so-called African-American in this country, number one, their father's lineage may not trace back to the transatlantic slave trade. So that's tracing back to the transatlantic slave trade is a key identifier of the children of Israel. So if you take some of these, um, we know that the, the Native Americans don't trace their seed through the transatlantic slave trade. And we'll look at that a little bit later. But we know that the so-called African-American, so-called Hispanic, uh, the Caribbean, they should be able to trace their father's seed back to the transatlantic slave trade. If they cannot, they are not of us. It's pretty much that simple when it comes to um, the African-Americans and the Hispanic people um, in the Western hemisphere. All right. So we trace our seed through the fathers, not through the mothers, not through a chart, not through a documentary, not through a book, but through scripture, we find that we trace our lineage through the fathers. So you may be Hispanic, but you may not be an Israelite. You may be Cuban, Guatemalan, Venezuelan, but you may not be an Israelite. Who is your daddy? Okay. You may look, you may be African-American, newsflash, and not be an Israelite. Prime example. Um, there is a celebrity by the name... Uh, I'm not good with names. She plays in Blackish. Um, Diana Ross's daughter that plays in Blackish. She also had a show called Girlfriends back in the day. Um, 
Yeah, her her name escapes. Tracy Ellis Ross. There we go. Tracy Ellis Ross. Her mother is an African, so-called African-American, Diana Ross. Her father is a white man, a Caucasian. So according to scripture, is she biracial? Mm-mm. We don't believe in biracial. Because we know that Jacob, uh, uh, the children of Jacob mixed their seeds with all kinds of people. But the father stayed pure. So is she an African-American or is she a Caucasian according to scripture? According to scripture, she's Caucasian. She's not African-American, thus she's not an Israelite. Nor her seed be an Israelite unless, according to scripture, it says, it, it talks about the third generation. All right. I didn't put this in my notes. I didn't, I didn't even plan to go here. But let's uh, let's do this real quick. Let's do this real quick. Deuteronomy 23 and 7, starting at 7, it says, You shall not abhor or hate an Edomite, for he is your brother. And you shall not abhor or hate an Egyptian, because he because you lived as a foreigner in his land. The children of the third generation who are born to them may enter into the assembly. King James Version says, The children that are begotten, I'm sorry, Thou shalt not abhor an Edomite, for he is thy brother. Thou shalt not abhor an Egyptian, because thou waste a stranger in his land. The children that are begotten of them shall enter into the congregation of Yahuwah in the third generation. So what, what's so important about this third generation? I'm going to try to break it down for you. It's, hard, it's hard, kind of hard to do on a podcast, but I'll try to do it. It's easier um, if there was a visual. Um, also, we will start... Um, recording full episodes of Jacob Seeds podcast on YouTube. So um, look out for that as well. But for right now, all we have is the podcast. So it says the third generation. So let's use Tracy Ellis Ross as an example. For all intents and purposes, she is an Edomite. Her mother is African, so-called African-American. Her father is an Edomite. He's a white man. So it makes her an Edomite. Now let's say... She married an Israelite man and they had a child. That child would be an Israelite because their father was an Israelite. All right. So let's say, let's switch this up. Say, say instead of uh, Diana Ross and her husband having Tracy Ellis Ross, they had uh, Theodore Ellis Ross, right? And he wants to marry, he, he is an Edomite because his father is one, but he marries a Israelite sister. That Israelite sister has another daughter. That is the second generation. That daughter marries an Israelite brother. Now we're down to the grandchildren. The grandchild of Theodore is another girl. She marries an Israelite brother. Now, her offspring, his third generation, and all those who follow, according to scripture, watch this, may enter into Yahuwah's assembly. Does not mean that they are Israelite by blood. It means now they can enter into the assembly. They are now sojourners and strangers amongst us. Uh, In the kingdom, most of you say they be handmaids and servants. All right. They are the ones who can enter into the kingdom. But still, we identify our lineage by the fathers. So if Theodore had a son, uh, married an Israelite woman and had a son, that son would still be uh, an Edomite on down the line. That's why it says that they can enter into the congregation, not become an Israelite. There's no such thing as in Torah as a spiritual Israelite. You are an Israelite or you are not. All right. So let's move on from that. So we, we've, we've determined without a shadow of doubt through scripture that our, our pedigree is determined by the father. That is it. You have to find who out who the daddy is before you start telling people that they're Israelites. So now that we've determined that, we find out who daddy is, right? 
Find out who Abba is. Now, where should we be looking for these people? Where should we be looking for these people? How did, I, how did they identify themselves? So I pulled up a map, an old map of what we call Africa today. And on this map, it shows a highlighted section called the Slave Coast. This is where they took our ancestors, put them on ships, and dispersed them to the North Americas, to South America, to the Caribbeans, to the Caribbean islands. Also, above the name Slave Coast, it says Judah. It says the kingdom of Judah or Slave Coast. Hmm. So you're telling me the people that they snatched out of the west coast of Africa identified themselves as Judah. Is there scripture to back this up? There absolutely is. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 11, starting at verse 10. Isaiah chapter 11, starting at verse 10. We're going to read through verse 12. Let me get there, my own self. Isaiah, 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 Isaiah. What did I say? Chapter 11, starting at verse 10. Is that correct? It's correct. It reads, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall be the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. So we know that the root of Jesse talking about here is Yahusha. And it shall come to pass in that day that Yahuwah shall set his hand against the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. So we see that these people are in what they would call today the Middle East. All right. Let's keep reading. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcast of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Wait a minute. The scriptures say that he shall assemble the outcast of Israel, comma, starting a new thought, and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So the scripture saying that Israel was outcast, but Judah was dispersed. Those words are important. Let's, let me look up, uh, I'm about to bring up the dictionary. Bringing up the dictionary. And we're going to read, there's a difference between an outcast and one who is dispersed. All right. And we're going to look at this. If my computer can uh, hurry up. All right. So outcast. It says an outcast is a person who is rejected or cast out from a home or society. A homeless wanderer. A vagabond, rejected matter, cast out from one's home or society pertaining to a characteristics of an outcast, rejected or discarded. Were the ten tribes cast out? Absolutely. I hate to I hate to use the word lost. They were never lost. They were cast out. Because if we look, read in the New Testament, we have a prophetess from um, Asher who um who hears about the birth of our Savior, hears about the birth of Hamashiach. So the other tribes were there. We just believe because we believe this word lost. When we read, we don't pick up things like that. We need to read. We need to read. We need to read. So they weren't lost, but they were outcasts. We can read about that in um, uh, Kings and in Solomon, how they were outcasts. The, uh, the Assyrian 
the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and all these people, they, they were kicked out of the land, right? Taken out. Judah remained in the land, all right? Up until 70 AD. Well, it didn't matter who you were, you weren't there no more. Let's look up, let's, does, does anything else support this? Let's look at Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Now it reads, see here. Therefore, wait ye upon me, saith Yahuwah, until the day that I rise up to the prey. For my determination is to gather the nations, that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them mine indignation, even all mine fierce anger. For all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. Wait a minute. We looked up outcast. I did not look up um, dispersed. Let's look up dispersed. My apologies. So we found out outcast. This is what a dispersed person is. To, to be dispersed means to drive or to send off in various directions, to scatter, to spread wildly, to disseminate, to dispel, cause to vanish. It says to separate and move apart in different directions without order or regularity, to become scattered. Hmm. To be dispelled, to be scattered out of sight, to vanish. Like I said, to separate and move apart in different directions without order or regularity. Well, we know this happened with the transatlantic slave trade and the Arab uh, slave trade, that we were dispersed and those people who were dispersed identified themselves as Judah. You can look up the map. Just Google map of Judah in Africa and you'll see it and go to images and then go a little bit down. I think it's like the second row and you'll see that map. And that map is widely circulated. So these people who were taken were identified themselves as Judah, not as Gad, not as Naphtali, not as Reuben, not as Asher, not as Levi, not as Simeon, but as Judah. The scriptures say Israel was banished, kicked out. But Judah was dispersed, separated, moved apart in different directions without order or regularity, which makes sense because if you look, if you understand what goes on in a slave trade, uh, these slave traders are not righteous men. Uh, the scriptures say in Deuteronomy, uh, uh, in Deuteronomy 28, that they would have no regard for the young or the old. They would care nothing about us. So if they didn't care anything about our bodies or our souls, what makes you think that they literally lined up our ancestors and say, hey, Reuben, raise your hand. You go to boat A. Judah, raise your hand. You go to boat B. Simeon, um, Levi, uh, Asher, raise your hand. You go to boat uh, 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 C, D, E, F, G, so on and so forth. They didn't do that. They yanked them up off the slave coast. They threw them on ships and dispersed them throughout the world. And on the other side, we had brothers and sisters in the Arab slave trade. Um, so the transatlantic slave trade dispersed us uh, back up into Great Britain, to the North America, to the Caribbean islands, to South America. The Arab slave trade, slave trade dispersed us into Europe, um, into parts of Asia, and Australia, all right? Arab slave trade did that. So we were literally dispersed to the four corners of the world because of the slave trade. Now, we have some Christian apologetics who would say that Deuteronomy 28, as far as the ships are concerned, to disperse our people was fulfilled according to Josephus when we were taken um, to taken in the ships back into Egypt to the salt mines. Now, did this event happen? It absolutely did. The problem is the Egyptians kept really good records. So if you look at the people who they took and brought on ships back to Egypt to mine the salt mines, they were all dark-skinned people. Also, they failed to realize that these curses would be perpetual. 
would mean it would happen over and over and over again if we broke the law, statutes, and commandments. And lastly, taking us, when, when, he, when Egypt came back in or when Rome came in and put us on ships, took us to Egypt to mine their salt mines, the Roman salt mines in Egypt, that did not disperse us to the four corners of the earth. It only dispersed us back to Egypt. Now, we know that there's a physical Egypt and we know there's a metaphorical Egypt when we're talking about Egypt. Egypt to our people is not just a place, but it is a state of bondage. So anybody who says that these this was fulfilled in Babylon or this was fulfilled during the, the Roman siege of Jerusalem, they're crazy. They don't understand that these curses are perpetual. Okay. Let's go back to um, Zephaniah 3. Start reading that over. So now we see Israel was cast out. Judah was dispersed. Look at it. Zephaniah 3, 8 through 10. Therefore, wait ye upon me, saith Yahuwah, until the day that I rise up to the prey. For my determination is to gather the nations that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon thine my indignation, even all my fierce anger. For all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. For then I will turn to the people a pure language. They will call all they that they may all call upon the name of Yahuwah to serve him with one constant. For beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my supplements, even the daughter of my dispersed, shall bring mine offspring. Wait a minute. It says, from beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my supplements, one, and even the daughters of my dispersed shall bring mine offspring. So we see two sets of people here. There are people who are beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, and there were some people who were dispersed. And it says, in the last days, they will bring an offering to Yahuwah. Well, can we prove this through scripture and or history? So the transatlantic slave trade, we know that scripture does not go that far into history. Uh, the scriptures stop around 70 or so AD, right? Right before or after the siege of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple uh, by Vespasian and um, his armies. But can we prove that there was a people? that moved beyond the rivers of Euphrates in Scripture? We absolutely can. Let's go to 2 Edris 13. 2 Edris chapter 13. And let's see here. We're going to go down to the 39th verse. And so this is Ezra. He's had this dream. And now this is uh, the Most High interpreting this dream for him. The 39th verse of 2nd Edris chapter 13 says, And whereas thou sawest that he gathered unto him another multitude that was peaceable, these are the ten tribes which were led away out of their own land in the time of Osea, the king whom some uh, who Salmanazar, the king of Assyrians, led away captive, and he carried them beyond the river. And they were carried into another land. But they took this counsel among themselves, that they would leave the multitude of the heathen and go forth into a further country where never mankind dwelt. And we have to understand that the only areas where, man, where mankind had dwelt in that area, yes, North South America had not been dwelt in yet, but neither had the Western, the central and Western parts of Africa had not been touched yet, right? We have the Northern and the Eastern parts of Africa who were controlled by Rome and Greek, uh, Rome and Greek um, occupations, but they had not ventured far out into Africa yet. So let's keep reading that they might there keep their statutes, which they had not kept in their own land. And they entered by the narrow passage of the rivers Euphrates. Wait, wait a minute. So they went beyond the river of Euphrates? 
for the Most High wrought signs for them and stayed the springs of the river. So he dried up the river till they passed over. For uh, though that country was a great way, namely a year and a half, a year and a half, and the same region is called Azareth. Azareth, in my opinion, is not United States of America, what we now call the United States of America, North America. It is beyond the river of Euphrates. We have to understand, okay, where were they coming from, first of all, to get to get a direction of where they were going. They were coming from the Assyrian captivity. It says it in there. So from from if you look up ancient maps of Assyria, because um, Assyria doesn't ex- Assyria exists, but the Assyrians uh, back then that they, they're gone, right? That that empire was destroyed and dismantled by Babylon, which was destroyed and dismantled by the Greeks, which was destroyed and dismantled by Rome. And now we have Rome that's still in power today. So if you look at the ancient maps of Assyria, you'll find that the Euphrates sits to the west. So they had to travel west toward Africa. So they traveled through Euphrates, probably passed up the home, their homeland because they had to go through Israel. They had to pass on the dry land that connects Israel um, and Egypt together because we know we, they did not go back to their homeland because it said they went somewhere that had not been inhabited yet. Can we prove, and this is why I say it wasn't North America. Now, can some of the, uh, can some of the um, North American, Native American Indians be Israel, perhaps. Um, there is a documentary called um, From Hebrews to Negroes by Ronald Dalton Jr., which he proves through um, migration analysis, DNA analysis, um, reporting, um, actually going to these nations and interviewing them like who is who. Um, and it is, his, it, is, it is his estimation um, that northern that uh, Native Americans are some of them now again. Who are they? Who's they daddy? Some of them are part of the sons of Jacob, but again, we have to determine that through their fathers. We can't just say a whole group of people are something when we have not determined who their daddy is. All right, but as I was saying. It says here clearly that when they went to this uninhabited place, their aim was to do one thing and one thing only. To uphold the laws, statutes and commandments, which they could not do in their hometown, in their home country. Now, when we came across the Native Americans, were they upholding the laws, statutes and commandments? Mm -mm. They were doing everything the Most High said not to do. They were worshiping the sun, the moon, the trees, the stars, um, the earth, um, and all this other foolishness, right? And then people say, oh, well, there were Hebrew uh, writings on some rocks in Oklahoma and Texas and New Mexico. I mean, we were, we were sent out as slaves in those areas. Who's to say our ancestors didn't put that Hebrew on there? A lot of our ancestors knew who we were. The first Christ, the first African, so-called African American Christian church in America is on the East Coast. I forget which city it's in. You can look it up. It has Hebrew um, engraved into the pews. We knew who we were, so if we did that to the pews, and this was closer to maybe the 1800s, um, don't you think that we probably did that to a rock as well to remember? Um, and to keep the laws and try to remember them and teach them to our children as well. All right. So anywho, the Native Americans, when they were found, were not worshiping laws, doing laws, statutes, commandments. But there were some people that were and still are to this day. The Limba tribe. They keep the laws, statutes and commandments. They've always been keeping the laws, statutes and commandments. If you let them tell it from day one. But that's not the most interesting thing. They're in South Africa. The most interesting thing are the African tribes that are in West Africa. So Benin, Togo, Ghana, Nigeria, and the ones that are in Middle Africa, uh, the Congo, 
um, and those places like that, uh, Kenya, Zimbabwe, these things like that. So who are these tribes that are in these areas? You have the Iwu, you have the Igbu, you have Yerbora, you have Bantu. Um, like I said, you have the Limba. I'm missing somebody. I'm leaving somebody out. But either way, you have these tribes, the Ashanti, right? You have these tribes who do not possess a physical book of the Torah. Yet, they practice animal sacrifices. They cast lots. They circumcise their newborn sons on the eighth day. After a mother has given birth to a son or a daughter, she is, um, she is separated from the tribe for a time. During a woman's menstruation, she is also separated from the tribe. They have priests in these tribes. They give offerings as well as they do um, ancestral veneration. All these things can be found in the books of Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, from our people doing them and um, commanded to do them by the Most High. Second Edra said there were going to be some people who left going through the river Euphrates from Assyria to go to an uninhabited land a year and a half away to uphold the law, statutes, and commandments. That is the key, to uphold the law, statutes, and commandments. If you go today, and find one of these tribes and approach one of these tribes, you will find that they are doing the law, statutes, and commandments given by law. Now, we need to tell them that our Savior has come, and he is now the high priest. But in their oral traditions, they have always been doing this from day one. If you ask them, they will tell you this. They have been doing the law, statutes, and commandments to their best ability without a Torah from the day they stepped on the land they are now. Ashanti tribe, Iru, Igbo tribe, Yobora, Limba, Bantu. How do we determine who the people are biblically? Number one, we determine our genealogy and our pedigree through the father, not through the mother as these Jewish people do. Number two, to look for them, it says that Israel will be banished and they would go through the Euphrates a year and a half to a land that's inhabited in order that they may uphold the law, statutes, and commandments that they were not able to do in their homeland. There's only one people group doing that today without a Torah. And those people groups can be found on the continent of Africa. Also, the transatlantic slave trade and the Arab trade, slave trade um, dispersed a people who identified as Judah to the four corners of the earth, to North South America, to the Caribbean islands, uh, to Great Britain, to Asia, to Australia, to Europe. All these people were dispersed. In order to fulfill the scripture where the Most High said that he would gather in the outcast of Israel and he would bring back in the dispersed of Judah. He also said that his dispersed would come up, I'm sorry, that the outcasts um, would come up from beyond the rivers of Euphrates. <laughs> and Second Edris um, proves that. And he said his dispersed would also come in the end time and give him offering. So he uh, differentiates. I'm sorry, I can barely say that word. I've been talking for too long, family. He makes a difference between those who were outcasts and those who were dispersed. If we do some simple reading, we will understand the two do not mean the same. We will also understand that we can't be walking around here letting everybody, calling everybody an Israelite 
just because they're Hispanic, just because they're Native American, just because they're uh, uh, from a Seminole or an Illinoisan or a Sioux Indian or whatever it may be, just because they're from Venezuela, uh, somebody says, oh, yeah, I'm from Venezuela. All of a sudden, we're like, oh, what's going on, Ak? Yeah, did you know you was an Israelite? Mm-mm. Don't do that. Do some research. Who's your daddy? Because that's how we determine who the seed of Jacob is. Not by a chart, not by the law of return, not by a documentary, not by a book, but by the father. So ask yourself this question. Who's your daddy? Shalom.